friends, this is Anthony Skinner, producer of Typology. We have a fantastic show for you today. Actually, it's a really intriguing show. Our guests, who could be considered an Enneagram skeptic and Ian, have quite an enlightening and hilariously entertaining conversation, so you're really going to enjoy today's show. But before we get to that, I would like to remind you about our Patreon campaign. If you aren't familiar with it, it's a great way for you to support content you love like Typology on a monthly basis. For as little as a dollar a month, that's right, a dollar a month, you can partner with us and help us cover the cost for stuff like studio time, post-production editing, fees for licensing all the music, and all the other things it takes for us to produce each episode of Typology. All you have to do is go to www.patreon.com forward slash typology. That's www.patreon.com forward slash T-Y-P-O-L-O-G-Y and select the level at which you want to support the show. And you not only will receive our undying love and gratitude, but you're going to get a bunch of great, great bonus content as well. Even a dollar a month, folks, it's a huge, huge help. So thank you very, very much. And as promised, I'd like to give a shout out to a few folks who have contributed to Patreon already. Mark LaMontagna, Suzanne Kabish, Jane Grizzle, The Lady Gordon, Holly Ogletree, Kelly Arant, Kelly Ontiveros, Andrew Heath, Sherry Moore, Tracy Robinson, Teresa Frizzell, Susan Weatherly, and Joe McRell. Thank you so much to each of you for financially supporting Typology. You all are the best, and your contributions are super, super appreciated. And now, the host of our show, Ian Cron. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Typology. I've received lots of emails and messages from folks on social media who are struggling to nail down their Enneagram number. Well, let me tell you, if that's the case for you, this show is spot on. Today we have Enneagram skeptic Matt Carter, the host of the wildly popular podcast Bad Christian, the podcast Break It Down, and a founding member of the band Emery. So let me warn you in advance, this show is unlike any I've done in the past. In fact, it was so cool that when we wrapped up, Anthony and I were so psyched, we laughed out loud. So strap yourselves in, put on your crash helmets, and let's get to it. Matt, welcome to the show, my friend. I am glad to be here. I love to be on podcasts and do them and listen to them. So it's always fun for me. Good, man. So I'm really excited about this episode because, as you said to me earlier, um, well, let me, let me just back up because I think this is kind of cool. This, is, this has happened to me once or twice before, and I love it when it happens. When someone reaches out to me and says, hey, man, I want to talk to you about the Enneagram. <laughs> I want to be on your mm-hmm. show and talk about the Enneagram. And man, when I heard that, I was like, bring it, because that, that could just be magic. And uh, <laughs> so, so especially with someone who is uh, as uh, familiar, uh, familiar as you are with the medium of podcasting, Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought, man, let's let's have at it. And uh, so, tell me a little bit about your uh, journey with the Enneagram and uh, why it is that you're like, man, I want to check this out some more. 
Well, I tell you what, my interest in it is kind of uh, indirect. My interest in it is just that everybody I know freaks out about the thing and talks about it every time I go to a dinner party. So I, it's just, so it's like an interesting thing, and then I like to. Uh, I feel like an open-minded person who's also a skeptic. So this immediately triggers my radar as uh, this might be BS. And so, but I'm interested in it. And you have to talk to sharp people that know stuff about it to really get anywhere. I don't feel like, you know, so I, I'm just kind of interested in the topic. Wonderful. And you had my friend Chris Hewitt's on, on Bad mm-hmm. Christian recently, right? Yes, I did. And that was a really interesting conversation. So the way that felt to me, if I ha- had to explain it, was... um. I was able to pursue him and bring up some thought, my thoughts on it or skepticism and stuff like that. And he did a great job of hanging in there. And uh, he, he gave a bunch of answers that I felt were a little bit slippery, but good. So I, so I, he didn't convince me that the thing's total BS, but he also did not fully subside my cynicism. And I've yet to really be typed either. So I haven't done that, that the work of doing that, as I understand that you have to type yourself or I don't know if it's the thing, I don't know if it's good or bad when other people type you, but people like to say what they think I am. That happens a lot. So I'd be interested to get some good expert uh, information on what I really might be so I could entertain the, you know, carry my side of the conversation at parties. Right. Well, we want you to, you know, we want you to fit in and, and feel like you're, you're one of the gang at, uh, at your next cocktail party. So, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, uh, I'd love to be part of that process. And, you know, there's no telling what will happen in our time together, but, but let's see. So um, tell me about your skepticism regarding the Enneagram. Well, um, you know, so I look at it as a personality test. I'm familiar with Myers-Briggs, and Carl Jung made that. I think there's one called the Big Five. Do you know that one? I sure do. So there's a Big Five, and then I know there's, uh, you know, several other ones. Uh, and the, here's what I really feel about it. Um, it's I feel like they're... I, I wonder if it's just the kind of thing where you... It, you somebody asks you a bunch of questions about yourself and then you tell that person about yourself and then they just reflect back to you what you told them about yourself and of course that will sound true i mean it to be honest that's almost what i feel like when i get a physical at the doctor i fill out all these forms about my health and then they read them and tell me what i wrote down on the paper back to me and i go wow you're right on about that so that's on the simplest thing people like a horoscope or astrology or palm readers people like to be told about themselves and whenever somebody tells you everybody's favorite topic is himself is my point so when somebody's talking to you about you and what you're like and you get to say but i'm the kind of person who is this and i'm the kind, that is just massively entertaining as it feeds the ego so of course it's satisfying to engage in that type of behavior i don't know if it has any empirical uh support really though mm-hmm. so that that's a short way i'd put it oh this is so good this is rich all right <laughs> so first of all i would say that the enneagram is very different from the myers-briggs or the big five or colby or hogan or any of the other you know kind of popular typologies um mm-hmm. Uh, it's different uh, in the sense that um, it really doesn't work in a, what I would call a self-report assessment. Um, okay. So Myers Briggs, all those different you know Strength Finders disc, you know, would be a couple of others. They rely on self-report. Yeah, disc. I know that one. Right. Yeah. So you know the 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 those are self-report assessments, right? In other words, the test can't tell whether or not you have enough self-awareness to answer the questions accurately. 
Yes, I affirm that. I, my wife and I will do a Myers-Briggs, and I assure you she's not putting the right answers down for herself when I nope. look over her shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because a lot of times what people do is they describe themselves as the person they'd mm-hmm. like to think they are mm-hmm. or, the person That's that, right. or the person they'd like to be, right? Right. So, or even people do that negatively sometimes. They go, even if, it's a, uh, if somebody has a poor self-image of themselves, they'll say, I'm this bad thing, and then they'll gravitate toward the answers that will further give them that negative feedback about themselves. So whatever they're seeking to find, they typically know how to get the multiple choice question to affirm what they wanted to right. find. Right, yeah. So I, I do think there's some value in you know, self-report assessments with the Enneagram only, though, in as much as it just gets people in the door of the conversation, you know, mm-hmm. it's I call it the vestibule, but not the house. Um, you, uh, because here's the, here's the bottom line: the enneagram is interested in finding out what the unconscious or underlying motivation is that mm-hmm. drives our ways of thinking, feeling, and acting. And the way that we see the world, the way that we, we experience it and respond to it. So no self-report assessment can really get at the underlying motivation. All it can really look at is characteristics and traits associated with your type, but not yeah, what so it, I understand that concept. Yeah, that makes total sense right. you know, for what you're saying. Though. So that's very different right, from those other things. Um, the other thing is... <laughs> I, uh, quoting David Benner, he, he likes to say that uh, if, if what you're interested in is flattery, then don't play with the Enneagram. So okay, that's good. That's uh, good. It, what the Enneagram does, unlike these other um, uh, personality typing systems, is what it uh, reveals is that what's best about you is also what's worst about you. And what's worst about you is also what's best about you. Uh, so it, it actually shows you your shadow side, not just that side of you that's, you know, here's my strengths or here's how I am when I'm, this is where I get my energy from. It, mm-hmm. it actually is going to tell you all that, but a lot more. It's going gonna, it's gonna to also say to you, okay, and here's where your ego runs riot. Um, right. So anyhow, that's the, so I hope that addresses a little bit of your skepticism about its uh, uh, being like most other personality inventories. So how do you get assessed? If not, I mean, I know you could find online tests, but that's that's not accurate. You had to spend time with a professional, or what is the what is the when is it verified that you are the type who tells you? Right. Okay. Nobody actually. Okay. You you have to be the one that tells you. The only person that can accurately report their own type is the person that has done the reading, attended a workshop, been with somebody who really knows it and helps walk them through it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only way. you could. Like, I never really ever tell somebody, oh, you're a blank, mm-hmm. you know, because I think, number one, that shortcuts their journey of self-discovery short, and also it's unfair for me to do that. And even though I really know the Enneagram, I can't tell you how many times I've mistyped people because... All they were talking about were traits and characteristics, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I needed to really delve down, which I, I kind of know how to do now, but, but you, when you begin, you can't, you got to get down into the root system and not pay attention so much to what's above the dirt line. Mm-hmm. So do you think that there is a empirical, I've used that word a few times and I may not even be using it correctly, but is there, is there a fundamental truth in someone's DNA 
about what type they are? That is it something we could ever find in the genetic code that you would say, oh, so that the person was born a type five? Well, I have no idea what's going to happen in the world of gene research. I mean, who knows? But but I will say that um, I think it's a far more spiritual uh, journey than it is a, one of psychology. I do you think people are born as a type? You think that God designed people as a as a type? I think um, well. First of all, I think it's a, a mystery, and I think that's a, it's a mystery not just to people. And that's not a cop out answer. I mean, if you if you go into the world of psychology and look at personality theory, and you look at the Rogerians, the Adlerians, the Freudians, the Jungians, etc., all mm-hmm. of them argue about personality development. Like, there's no consensus about personality development, uh, and mm-hmm. so we're really kind of shooting arrows into dark clouds. I think when we talk about personality. That said. I, I, my hunch is, is that it's partly genetic, it's partly environmental and, and cultural, and I just also think it's unconscious adult choice as we move into later oh. phases of life. And so it could change then during your life? No, I don't think so. It can't. So if you're, if you're a type 5 when you're 9, you, you also will be when you're 70? Yes, but I think the way that, that it expresses itself and presents itself will be very different. But the Is, underlying what's the earliest age that somebody could have a type and be confident that that was what it was? Okay, great question. So I think uh, most psychologists and researchers would say that the, if you will, the ingredients of the soup of personality are set in place at around five. Okay, so you've got all the nuts and bolts. So it may not be concrete yet, right? But they're they're mm-hmm. all there, right? Mm-hmm. That so now. By the way, I completely agree with that number of the, of the age of five. I, I've, I've thought this for, I mean, it's not, I'm sure it's not original thought. You're getting it from child development psychology that I'm sure you've studied, but I always feel like, you know, when I think back to my childhood, I know there was kids in first grade. Like there's a kid in my first grade class named Lewis Mathis that I used to hang with and he moved away in second grade. It's not hard at all for me to imagine Lewis Mathis today and there's no way he's different. Like, for sure, he's still Lewis, and for sure, he's the only thing different about him now is basically his experiences and decisions, and maybe some negative things or good things that have happened to him since. But even those are things that he would respond to like he would. Now, I haven't seen this kid since he was five or six, but there's almost no way that he's not fundamentally the same person. But I don't know if that's true about a two or three year old. So that you know, that's I think that is a really interesting thought of when is the personality formed, and then after that, it's just environmental factors. So that, this is this uh, this territory is very interesting to me. Yeah. So I think that the uh, best time, the earliest that you should really have somebody start banging around inside the enneagram and trying to figure out their type, really is at the really the earliest late teens and into your early 20s, you know, because mm-hmm. really, first of all, you, when you're younger than that, I think self-awareness is still very much a developing creature, you know what I mean? Like, who, yeah. who's very self-aware at 14, you know? Yeah, uh, so even if you had a type, it wouldn't be wise to even play around with it, wouldn't give that knowledge or tinkering or descriptiveness to a, you know, an un, uh, immature Yeah, human. totally, because I also think it could be uh, hurtful, um, right. because if people, you know, self-type and they get it wrong, they start, you know, it'd just be confusing, you know? Yes. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't think that would be a, a positive experience. So all that to say, you, you, you ask the question, I say it's nature, nurture, unconscious choice, it's in place by five, the nuts and bolts, but you know what? The paint is wet on the wall, and so 
until I think your late teens, early 20s, when you can start to probe around. Because as you know, you paint a wall and you really don't know what color it is until it's dry, mm-hmm. right? So it's better off for you to just kind of be, you know, kind of chill with it and don't type your kids or other little people because that could lead to all kinds of bad parenting in the wake of it. So don't even be aware. Don't not only don't discuss it with my daughter who's four, becoming five, but don't even allow my mind to begin to try to type her. You would also. Yeah, I I, I would definitely say yes to the latter. I don't think your I don't think your daughter's going to get her mouth around enneagram uh, real soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I would say that uh, I will say this to your point, which I agree with. My daughter, who is an eight, I kn- I knew when she came out. That she was an eight. I mean, just what her, do you mean came out? Well, you mean the day she was born? No, but I mean, like when she was like a toddler, yeah. uh, you could tell at the very least that she was one of the aggressive types. I mean, she yes. is a an aggressive, and I don't mean that in a negative sense. I mean, she just comes at life at a hundred miles an hour, mm-hmm. uh, and she is not afraid to do combat with life, uh, and and she's very much a power centered person, so. You know, sometimes you can tell pretty early, oh, man, I got a hunch, but you better be humble enough to say it's a hunch yeah, and remain open-minded and just be curious about your children. I think that's a great way to express love to a child is just be curious about them. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I look at my two daughters as very aggressive and independent, I would call them. Uh, and so another way I would put that would just be the, the overblown terms of extroverted. I think they see the world, and maybe this is the way you're describing your daughter as this is a thing for me to act upon, this out external world. I'm not here to receive stuff. I'm here to do stuff to stuff. That's the way oh. that I think about them. So I don't know if that – anyway, I'm not trying to type my daughters, but I do I do know what you mean about that. You can tell some personality traits that are that they just got before you oh. – before it's, before it's anything about, you know, your nurturing. Oh my gosh! And, and she could not be more different than my wife and I. I mean, I mean, just in terms of her energy, is so different. Mm-hmm. She's like my mom, actually, very much. And they're both redheads. They're both these fiery redheads. <laughs> so I guess there is some sort of genetic mystery happening there. And you know, it's it's. I love the fact that it's a mystery, and that you know, the whole realm of empirical science and the human person, you know, should have more humility. We give it a little bit too much. Uh, you know, authority in our lives. As a well, the psychologists say this. It's like, well, you know, that may be a nice piece of data to keep in mind, but human beings are far more complex than scientific categories can really account mm-hmm. for. So I, I don't, uh, I like what George Box, the statistician, uh, I may have been a Nobel Prize winner, but at the very least, a famous British mathematician once, or statistician once said, he said, uh, all models are wrong, but some are useful. I love it. I'm exactly that way. I was just, I mean, I, I have that interaction with science and and my faith. I mean, they're, neither one of them are right. I know they're not right. At least the models I have of them, I am certain are wrong, but they both are useful to some degree. I hold them both. They're, they don't even mesh well with each other, but both are useful for some things, and I'm sure there's some truth behind them. But the, the specific models I'm using for my faith and science we know are extremely, at least incomplete. That's right. And so that's the humility, I think, with which you need to work around the Enneagram because, Mm -hmm. you know, when I meet people who are like, oh, this is the Rosetta Stone. I have found the meaning of life. I'm like, "Uh, (laughs) you need to walk walk back from that ledge, you know. Yeah, I agree. Do you have a lot of people that do where they're like, um, I mean, at least I know a couple of people that fit in this category. They've gotten into the Enneagram. They know they're type and they just... 
I want to say that I feel that they overdo it by saying, oh, but that's because I'm a six. And so now yeah. they're it's always on their brain. It's almost can be, oh, I'm a jerk because for whatever, you know, they'll excuse even bad behavior as their Enneagram type. Yeah. So let me just say this. I, I uh, For those who, you know, listen to the show regularly, they know this. I, I refer to those people as the Enneagram Taliban. Uh, it's like this kind of they they almost kind of it's like magical thinking Uh, and I think it's very true in the first six months that somebody's around it it is it does describe people in uncannily accurate ways right but at the same time you know you just have to keep in mind uh, that it's not a religion you know it's Mm -hmm. it's just a tool that's helpful for self-understanding and self-knowledge but you can't run that baby to the bank uh, because actually if you do, it, it just will collapse under the weight of the great mystery of the human person. So there's, you, you really should just use it, you know, in the back of your mind saying, hey, it's a watercolor, it's not an x-ray, it's not a, it's not a blood test, it's not any of that. It's, you know, it's just a piece of spiritual folk wisdom that is very, very useful. Spiritual folk wisdom. Yeah, okay, so that's good. I mean, I like to hear that. I mean, you're giving me answers that I can live with when you say it's not a blood type. And that was kind of my first question was, is this... Is this a fundamental, inherent thing that is scientific in nature? But And you say, no, it's spiritual, so that makes it... Obviously, there's some more slipperiness to that, but it's not something you can deny it, totally. But uh, it where it becomes seems like it would be useful, the right way to do it would have to be that it's a... To- Tell me if I'm saying this right or wrong. It could be used as a tool for self-work, self-assessment, and development. Would it be a tool? Is the Enneagram a tool? I would call it a tool for spiritual formation. Um, okay. Because I think, and I think this is uh, uh, sadly absent in the world of church, and I'd say across, actually, really across religions, which I think is why there's so much, uh, such a rise of fundamentalism in our, in, uh, across the globe. And that is just a, a, an appalling absence of self-knowledge and self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, people have spent so much time focusing on, well, you know, I need to know God, and my point is, well, sure, but if you really want to know God, take a look at yourself. Um, yeah. Because if, if the kingdom is within, and if you are made in the image of God, you're probably the first, you're, you're really the first line of research, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, get to know yourself, and the Enneagram is uh, one of many ways that you can do that. And, uh, but once you know yourself, you're going to know a heck of a lot more about God than if you sit around reading, you know, systematic theology. So I don't know if I'm boring your listeners or saying stuff that everybody already knows that listen to this podcast, but does that is that um why is that why is Enneagram spiritual versus uh you know the young uh what's the Young's test the what I said before the Myers Briggs the Myers Briggs yeah what what why is that one of those spiritual and one not okay this is a great great question man and by the way I feel like I'm on your podcast which is awesome because I <laughs> sorry I, sorry I, no no this is awesome because I just did two okay. podcasts this morning mm-hmm. uh, with two other people and and I you know it, you know I'm the one always asking the questions you know and so I never get a chance to really talk about what my thoughts yeah. are well know? I'm sitting in the same chair that I and my microphone that I use to do interviews so it's probably just habit so <laughs> no it's awesome I love this so um, why is it a spiritual uh, formation tool well because the Enneagram really um, one of its central blessings or gifts that it gives to us is that it reveals the nature of the false self or the operations of the human ego that are really in direct conflict with the 
in many ways, I think, what, what a great, great religion does, which is it, it's revealing actually not who you are, but who you aren't. It's revealing not your, you know, okay, this is who you are. In fact, let's say, okay, I'm a four on the Enneagram, okay? Well, mm-hmm. what the Enneagram reveals to me is, no, actually, I'm telling you, you're not a four. You've been telling yourself you're a four forever. You've been playing the game of a four forever. But the truth of the matter is, is that that's a cover story that you developed as a little kid in order to um, fit into your culture, your family. These are your personality is made up of adaptive stratagems and ways of being in the world that you thought as a little kid and not thought, but you knew, thank goodness, were going to get your needs met. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, but underneath that that cover story is actually someone far more beautiful and good and true. Uh, and what you really need to do is see that your fourness or your twoness, or your nineness is actually not who you are. Stop identifying who you are with those traits and characteristics and understand that mm-hmm. actually you use them manipulatively a lot of the time to mm-hmm. get your needs met from other people in ways yes. that are unhealthy. Yes, totally, totally, totally understand and believe that is the way people do. That that rings very true to me. So, in the sense of it being spiritual, uh, in fact, I we were uh, did an hour and a half interview this morning with Richard Rohr about this, and you know he he says it so beautifully in Immortal Diamond, in Falling Upward, and you know his book Letting Go. It you know really. When Paul in, in the New Testament talks about, for I no longer live, Christ lives, okay, etc., we, we know that text. When he uses the word I, the word he's using there is ego, ego, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. he's not saying that what God wants to do is crucify, he doesn't want to kill you. God doesn't want to annihilate or get rid of your identity and just have you be a walking around robotic Jesus. Actually, what Paul is saying is, you could say it like this, for the false self no longer lives, but Christ mm-hmm. lives in me. It's the awareness that, you know what, I'm kind of full of it on the outside. A lot of the ways that I act in the world are very self-interested, manipulative, and, uh, you know, until I can catch myself and realize, I got to take that thing apart. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah, start totally. to live out of, out of my true essence, my true self. And that's a lifelong journey. And so when he says, I no longer live in the flesh, I think the word you could put in there for flesh really is... Again, this this notion of the adaptive or provisional self that we drag along like a dead body behind us from childhood into adulthood. And yeah. That, and by the way, that's also Carl Jung who would say that the things that helped us survive in the morning will kill us at night. <laughs> I, I agree with that too. I, I've said before, or think of it as people's good qualities are also their bad qualities. I mean, that that makes sense to me. Oh, totally. Because you know, think about it. If I asked you to sit down and tell me the five best things about you. Right, like to, for example, right. just tell me. I don't know you from a hole in the wall, so tell me three things that that you or others would say. This is what's great about Matt. Yeah, they would say that I'm um, uh, intense, probably, and like uh, really active and uh, pr- problem solving and. Uh, well, I don't know. I feel silly saying what I don't want to sound too say good stuff about myself. Like I'm, oh, don't go uh, all church on me now. Don't you no, go? To, know, don't you I go to church it. on me now? And I want to talk about the good things okay, about pe- you. Okay, so people would say that I'm confident and decisive. Probably, uh, they would say that I uh, am intense and driven. Maybe stuff okay. like that. 
which, which you know, and I obviously the flip side of that, as, as I know, the people that spend the most time with me, especially my wife, is like, just stop. You're you're too intense. I don't. This is not good. For we're just sitting here having dinner. You know. That's, so when that's she says she intense, say. I mean intense is a very general word. So what is mm-hmm. what do you mean by intense? Like how does that present itself in your life? Is it anger? Is it uh, like raw energy that's just like life force pouring out? What is it? Like she'll ask me, a, she'll say, she'll make conversation with me about how she should manage her photos on her phone and computer and what would be good. And I say, interesting topic, and I, I start explaining to her what needs to happen immediately. And you got to use Google Photos, and this is how you need to do it. Or I'll go research it, and I'm all in on that. And she's like, "Well, I'm not sure I want to do that." And I'm like, "Well, you're crazy. This is the right way to do it. I'm telling you how to do it. You know that kind of thing." Okay, would she say that you And I'm right. I know I'm telling her the right thing, but she doesn't even want to hear it from me because I am... You're being way too much about this. Just calm down. All right, are you... Would she say that you're judgmental or critical? Or? No, not no, not judgmental, just too dominating. Like, just too... Oh. You're just being too strong about it. Like, you know, you're so... You think you... People will say you think you know everything. <laughs> But I'm only speaking that way when I feel like I do know. There's plenty of things I don't speak that way about. But if I am speaking that way, I'm very excited about the thing I'm telling you about that I think I'm right about. It's not to be mean or because you're stupid, but people will interpret it that way sometimes. Mm, Okay. Would would people say that that, uh, at times that you're a steamroller, more of a steamroller than a diplomat? Um, Well, you know... I don't, yes, they would say that, but I really, I really identify more as a diplomat internally. I really feel that that is one of my, (laughs) it sounds stupid, but I really feel that's what's at odds with it. And if I look at the types, which I pulled up a sheet about the types right now, and there's just so much about eight and nine both sound totally true to me, but I, Nobody would describe me as a nine, if that's what people are thinking, um, being the peacemaker and agreeable and those things. But that is the main tool that I use to do stuff. I wind up being a middleman. I usually wind up managing people, and I'm good with making people uh, play nice together and negotiating and getting everybody around me to be happy so we can go accomplish stuff. But people find me a little bit more... uh, confrontation i think they would describe it as confrontational like they was people would say an eight is but i really feel like all i'm trying to do is get everybody to be happy and do it get everybody safe and right i'm very responsive and use as my one of my main manipulation tactics to navigate the world is just be trying to solve other people's problems for them so they'll be happy and be agreeable that's kind of the way i feel like i navigate the world okay so let's. So that about- seems pretty co- contradictory, I know. But I'm saying what p- other people receive in me as dominance is some t- is the bad side of of me trying to take care of them. Is really what I feel like. I'm. That's what I feel like I'm doing when that happens. Right. But they don't always. They, 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 in yeah. other words, they they may say sometimes like, you know, oh, dude, I am just you're like too much. You're like mm-hmm. you're too directive. You're. You're too. You're overwhelming a little. I bit. stopped listening to you 15 minutes ago, and you're still talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, oh, that's it. that is great. Well, so uh, how old are you? Uh, 38. 38. Okay. And um, have you? I'll ask you some. I'm going to lean into some questions here. Okay. Have you? Have you? I don't see his um, thing anymore. Are you still there? 
Um, I'm here. Do you hear me? Well, your thing just went down on our thing saying that you're no longer... We're recording in progress, but we don't see you. My my thing is rolling. It says 32 minutes and 24 seconds, and I'm, I have a backup recording going to me. Do I not, Reva? So I do have a backup recording. Okay, here, great. So. Okay, cool. All but right, I so, hope it's still working on your end, but you're right. I don't see my thing moving, but I, I see the recorder still moving up here, so I don't know. But we're, we're totally confident that we have a backup, right? Yeah, we're confident about the backup. Okay, that's all we need to know. Okay, so you're, you're 38, mm-hmm. and um, have you been through counseling? Uh, I've done some premarital. I've actually done some counseling and had some training in doing counseling, but I haven't had a therapist for some period of time other than some premarital. Well, I do, I did a, I've done a couple of groups, church-related things that were intensive counseling-type things, but not no long-term therapy or anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Have you had some um, big falls? In your life, um, I I don't I mean I don't know how to speak of that in relative terms. I've had some bad things happen to me. Uh, I've never I don't I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever had any large personal failures. I wouldn't describe it's like something I did that fell apart, like a divorce or uh, gone bankrupt. No, I don't I, nothing. I, I things usually work out for me in general. I would say. Okay, so no addictions, no uh, trauma, nothing like that. Nope. Okay. Nope. Now, so the reason for people listening, why I'm asking that question is, is that you know by 38, you know you've had some, you've got some, you know you've got some miles, you, you know you've got some stuff in the rearview mirror, good and bad. So, mm-hmm. you know, often when I'm talking to people and they're trying to figure out their enneagram number, I say, well, um, you know, uh, are you old enough to see enough wreckage in the rearview mirror of repeating patterns? that you can Mm -hmm. identify with and say, man, that has screwed me over and over again. And I don't know why I continue to do it, but I do. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's almost, it's reflexive. It's like I go on auto self and make the same mistake in relationships or the way I see the world over and over again. And that sometimes helps me hone in on what what it is. Well, I'll give you one of those, but it's not, it's so much a, a, I'll give you something that I understand is a, a problem, but I don't have, I don't quite, get it is the uh i think there's a thing where other people don't uh feel like i'm close to them whereas i may either feel close to them or maybe i just don't i'm just not on that wavelength of human closeness that that, i feel like for instance i don't think my best friends and my wife they're like, yeah, but we're, it's not like we're that close. I'm not that close with my family. Maybe I'm not really close with anybody, but not in the sense that I'm isolated. It's just, it's just not really my wavelength. Okay, Does so, that make any sense? Is yeah, that useful sure. at all? Would you say that's because um, you, uh, for example, some people don't get close to people because they're fundamentally suspicious of other people's No, it's not that. It's just, okay. you know, I like doing shit with people. I like just doing stuff. Like, what do we do? I mean, it's not, I don't, I don't have, I don't necessarily sit down and look eye to eye with people and talk about our feelings like i that's fine i mean i'm not scared of it it's just not my most it's not the most fun thing to do i'd rather just build something or work on something or talk about an interesting topic but you know that's how i want to engage my wife and i think she goes stop talking about topics just Mm. be close with me and it's like what 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 else is there to do i mean what does that mean is kind of the way i feel about that Mm -hmm. okay so um, you're, it sounds like, you, would you say that you are not particularly fluent in the language of emotions and feelings? Yeah, yeah, definitely right. Yes. Okay. Certainly. And, okay, so, and when you talk about topics, um, do you have 
for example, niche subjects, you know, like sort of odd things that you know a lot about? Do you know a lot about a lot of different things? That's right. Okay. Exactly um, that. What were you like in elementary school? Well, how would people <laughs> have described you in elementary school? Um, class clown, you know, hyper, whatever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, class clown, whatever. <laughs> you know, just you know, getting in trouble, uh, hyperactive, a little bit of a class clown, maybe a little bit of a dork. You know, like not not. Never been concerned with being like cool or trendy or hip, um, like image kind. I don't care. Like, but but not like I've probably been teased a lot, but it never really bothers me. I mean, I'm just I'm happy doing whatever it is I'm doing. Like, uh, you know, very into what I'm into, focused on it, it and then other, you know, for you know, pretty happy go lucky. Mm-hmm. What were you teased for? Uh, just being different, you know, just like uh, being goofy, like uh. You know, not, I mean, I never was playing any of the games other people were about trying to fit in or whatever. Mm-hmm. That, that, that doesn't really matter. Like, why would I want to try to pretend to be like other people to gain what? It just never made sense to me. So I don't care if I dressed funny or wore whatever I want to. I just that, None of that ever bothers me. Mm-hmm. Would you, uh, look back, looking back on your life, would you say that, that you have a reckless streak? Uh, I don't think of it as reckless, but other people would probably say that. Okay, so give me an example where someone says, dude, that was, what, what were you thinking? Like, that was not wise, what you just did. Um, I mean, I mean, I don't know, probably anything. Like, I don't feel, I'm not scared of, of things that other people are more careful with. So it may seem that I'm reckless to them, but I feel like I'm calculating risk uh, better than they are is what I would say. <laughs> okay, so are you the guy that jumps off the forty foot cliff at the quarry uh, before thinking about how deep it is, and everyone's like, "Dude, don't do it." Mm, yeah, but not as a pure daredevil. More just like as an expression of I have made the right calculation. I know this is safe, and I'll probably get good attention for for being able to be the first one to do this. But I'm not doing it thinking it's unsafe. I've already felt like yeah this is okay to do but i know other people are going to be scared to do it so there's an opportunity for me to do something unique here that's how that i would think that but yes but i'm not the biggest daredevil or thrill seeker it's not that part of it okay so like i throw my kids around and it makes other people nervous that's how about that does that make sense yeah yeah sure okay like i know they're not going to get hurt if they do that's fine But it, I mean, you, <laughs> even my my producer's laughing his head off right now. <laughs> that is hysterical, man. All right, so let me. I'm going to throw out a couple of. Um, uh, well, let me ask you a couple of questions. Would you identify more as yourself as a person who's fearful? Uh, no, or, not fearful. No. Okay. How about? Uh, would you say that you're a person who's angry? No, not at all. I almost never get angry. Do people or, I get, I get irritated? Angry. No, irritated. I get frustrated or irritated, but not. I don't act in anger, like, really at all. Okay. All right. How do you, uh, historically, how do you feel about authority figures or authority systems like the hate church? Them. You hate them. I hate the authorities. All of them. I've I've tried to fit in with different ones at different times, but and I understand there's a need for it. I'm not an anarchist exactly or anything, but you know me. I don't get along with the authority figures. All right. So is that? So tell me tell me more about that. Is that because uh, you are just fundamentally 
suspicious that they uh, are underhanded or they're they're, they're trying no, to pull they just the wool. don't. No, they just don't know what they're doing, and so why are they in charge of me? Okay, so I mean they're no different than I am. Why do they? What are they in charge for? Some policeman? Uh, who? The t- the dumb teacher in South Carolina where I grew up that makes thirty two thousand dollars a year and that I understand is at least as much as she does about whatever topic we're talking about, and it's obvious. You know, like I, I don't. Why is that an authority to me? I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Are you? And a, she, you know what I mean? She's, I, I don't know. I'm not. I don't hate them individually. I just that you know doesn't make sense why they're in charge. Like who cares? Okay, we just lost you there for a second. We got a little bit of that thing going on. Okay. Yeah. Still. Right. Yeah, I got the back. And you, you guys still sound good to me. Okay. Cool. So uh, let's probe that for just a second because I think we're you know I can throw some ideas out at you and then you know it's up to you to figure out if one of them sort of fits you. Um, okay. So is there some sometimes an impulse that you feel to bring authority figures down? Uh probably yeah. Okay. And do you, uh, what about, how do you respond to like, I know that you sort of, you know, uh, float around and My main impulse would there would be to show other people that you see, this is just the wizard of Oz behind the curtain thing, right? Right. Like that's, that's what I feel. Now I don't have a disdain for them individually, really. I don't hate them or think they're bad people. Right. Sometimes. Some of them are. Yeah. Because some people take, yeah. I mean, for sure that authority attracts bad people though for the, too for the fact for that reason though mm-hmm. but that not not because it's not because somebody's an authority figure does not make them bad but authority and power attract all kind of bad things too yes mm-hmm. so so sometimes they're the bad people and it's even worse then so you got to be aware of it is and i like to demonstrate that to other people mm-hmm. not because i hate them or trying to exactly take it down i just want to demonstrate share that information the way i see it with other people okay so let me just throw a couple of ideas out at you. And uh, I'm again, to be very clear, I'm not in any way, shape, or form suggesting or telling you that you are one of these types, okay? That okay. is up to you to decide after you do your own research and sort of soul searching after you do that and then, you know, kind of ponder your history and your life, right? Okay. Um, my hunch is, again, hunch, not knowing you. If I were, you know, someone had a, you know, so okay, your your type of your life. You know, uh, uh, I, this is maybe a couple of things I'd say. One is, I don't. I I would. I, the, I would say the three numbers I would not go to for you would be two, three, or four. Okay. Okay. Now I may be wrong, but that's those are the three. Those are three right away I wouldn't go towards. So uh, I'm on the Enneagram Institute's website. Um, so if I can, I look at those and reference that. Is that reasonable? All right. Let me just tell you the underlying motivation of those three numbers. And okay. then, okay, so because I see their their types here, so I'm I, I am looking at that as we speak, so okay. I can tell you which of those I like okay. or don't, what resonates or doesn't about those. Right. Okay. So twos, their underlying or unconscious motivation is they they have a need to be needed. Uh, they really uh, are always looking into other people's eyes, and they're thinking, "What are you What are you feeling? What do you need? How can I meet it?" Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're if you were talking in stereotypes, you know, they're, they're kind of the Jewish mother, you know, they're, they're kind of like, darling, let me help you. You know, it's like always showing up to help, always showing up with the casserole. They're the lovers of the Enneagram, you know, they're called the mm-hmm. the, the helper. Threes are called the performer. Performers uh, are motivated by a need to succeed and to avoid failure at all costs. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and they want to be not just, they don't only just want to succeed, they want others to perceive them as a success. They, they want to mm-hmm. be the star performer. Um, you know, they are sort of the quintessential, um, you know, if you were, again, stereotyping sort of that, that quintessential chameleon-like uh, sales guy. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh, fours, no, I wouldn't think you were a four. Uh, a four has a need to be unique and special. Uh, they tend to be incredibly creative and imaginative. A disproportionate number of fours in the creative arts. Very sensitive and melancholy. They tend to withdraw, okay? Mm-hmm. They don't go at people. You, you mm-hmm. sound more like a person whose energy gets right up in people's faces. Is that yeah. fair? Yes, and I'm not. I'm in the, I'm in the most... Uh, I mean, I, I just... It completely extroverted and have to be around people all the time. I mean, I just love it. Like, unlimited. Like, if, if I, I play in a band and travel the country and stuff like that, and I, I cannot go back to my bunk and take a nap because there's people up doing stuff. So there's okay. n- I could never remove myself from wh- what everybody's doing. I got to be there. Okay. So then I wouldn't think you were a five. I wouldn't think, uh, because fives would not generally, again, you know, again, this is, can't say this was a hard and fast rule, but they're generally not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and nines are not that you're you're you don't feel like a nine to me, but that doesn't mean you aren't. I just you 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 don't have that energy. Just the words you're throwing out don't resonate mm-hmm. in the world of nine. Okay, so you know we got one left, we got six, and we got seven and eight, right? Okay. So I think um, that one is probably, even though you have perfectionist tendencies that you described uh, in a couple of places that you were talking, my hunch is is that, you know, you're not a... Uh, you, the one's underlying need is to be perfect, to perfect the environment and other people. They're the great improvers of the Enneagram. No, that's that could be. I mean, perfectionist does not resonate like that word. Like I'm relatively sloppy, but the other parts about that principle, purposeful, self-controlled, trying to reform other people, rational, you know, those things they that those make sense. Okay. Now, so let's talk about seven and eights for a minute, mm-hmm. uh, or let's talk about six, sevens, and eights. So, uh, eights underlying motivation is to be strong to assert control over the environment. Uh, they are confrontational, blunt, uh, to a fault at times, uncensored, brash. Their talk style is, you know, um, commanding, uh, barking mm-hmm. at times. Yeah, people would probably say that about me. I just don't think it matches up with my motivations though like i understand okay. those are the qualities that people may would observe okay. about me but i i really don't f- feel motivated by those things okay. i, I re- like i i really feel motivated in, from the inside more what a nine or a two is like i mean i feel like i'm just trying to help i need i want this to be useful to you and i you got to listen to me because i know what i'm talking about Okay. And if I need to be confrontational, of course I can, but I don't like it. I hate confrontation, but I'm not scared of it because I'm not a wuss. Okay. So you, you do you, I mean, do you love heated debates? Well, yeah, as long as it doesn't mean anything, as long as it's not, doesn't matter what the outcome of the debate is. All right. Would people I say, like it for sport. 
Okay. Or you know, or for information, not because I would need to win. I'm not competitive at all. I'm the, I'm very not competitive. Like if I'm playing sports with somebody, I will let them win almost every time. Really? Yeah. Okay. So let's um let's focus in there's uh on sixes and sevens for a minute. Okay. Uh, because based on what you're saying, right? I would have the first you know I ruled out some things. I, I my hunch is I hear one someone but a, but some a lot of of a particular kind of six, some seven, and eight. And that's actually good because when you see three numbers together, it often means that one of them is the basic core number and the other one is the wing. Okay. Okay. Are the wings always adjacent numerically? Yes. And so when you hear that, when you see a cluster like that, you start to scratch your head. And, and it doesn't mean that for sure that's where it is, but but right away when I see that, I go, okay, well, let's just check that out first, you know, on the... If I was going to do a decision tree, I'd go, okay, let's move over there and take a look at that first. Seven, nothing on the seven list of traits that I see here sounds wrong. I mean, that doesn't, there's a lot of other things I think am beside those things, but those all, those all things I see here, busy, fun, loving, spontaneous, versatile, distractible, scattered. That, those are all true. Okay. How do you do, uh, um, how do you do with feelings like stuck, routine, uh, boring, sad, uh, like when you have afflictive emotions, right? Emotions that, mm-hmm. you know, everybody doesn't like, you know? Mm-hmm. Are you like, I just have to get away from that by being super busy, funny, uh, just, I just, I just don't like to feel those feelings. And so, you know, I kind of run in the other direction defensively. Yeah, probably. Pro- well, yeah, I mean, who wants to be sad? I mean, I have the ability to not be sad if I don't feel like it. So why would I choose to be sad any long, longer than I have to is the way I look at that. Okay. Like, I, I'm not trying to avoid it. Like, I'm, I I try to, you know, not whatever that would be. I'm not trying to be avoidant in some way where I'm scared or something. I mean, I, I've been sad. I can be sad. I get it. But I have a cognitive ability to decide to not do that when I do at some point. So I don't dwell on it, you know. Okay. I'm, I can I can move along. I can slap myself in the face and get it together. I can quell my fears if I need to. Like if I'm being nervous to be something, I can self-talk my way out of that too. It's not just I, it's not just I'm afraid to be sad or anything, but I have pretty good frontal lobe control over my emotions as well. I, I have them. I understand what they are, but I'm able to I have a strong ability to to manage them. Okay. Cognitively. All right. Okay. So that cognitively thing is really important. We're going to hold on to that for a second. So. Um, do you have monkey mind? Do you have racing thoughts? Mm-mm. I don't know what that is. Uh, thoughts that just sort of rush from one thing to the next, you know, like one idea to the next, one yeah. task to the next. Uh, yeah. Okay. Do But, well, I'm, the, the other thing is, like I said, people describe me as hyper, like ADHD and stuff like that. But I cannot pay attention to something that I don't care about at all, but I have extreme ability to hyper-focus on one thing for a long time, way more than other people if it's something that is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in a general way, yeah, I, I can be scattered or jump around, but, but I'm jumping to whatever's the most stimulating or exciting. Okay, so would, people, would some people say about you that, that uh, you, can be a little self inf- you can be a little self-inflated and uh, you know, kind of superior acting at times, yeah. or a little narcissistic? I guess so, but I, I think they might be reading me wrong, but yeah, I come across that way. Okay. Uh, do you, uh, historically, have you had difficulty making commitments? No, I don't think so. Over the course of your life. Think back to when you were 20, not now. Like committing to like... No, you know, playing, t- in the, you know, doing, you know, like you 
start doing something and then you kind of back away from it because it's just like, oh, man, if I make a commitment to that, I'm going to get stuck in it. And I just want to, you know, keep my options open, you know. No, I mean, I don't think about it like that. I don't think yes or no about that. I just always do exactly what I feel like. <laughs> okay. But a lot of times that's one thing for a really long time, though. Mm-hmm. So it's not about length of thing necessarily. It's just a degree of stimulation and interest. I'll stick with it. Okay. If it's boring, I'm out. Okay. So uh, are you a person who's oriented more toward the past or toward the future or toward the o- present? Almost entirely future and present. No past. Okay. Um, are you a person that people would say was an optimist? Yes. To a fault, probably? Maybe. Okay. That, uh, do you have an ability to... Uh, I mean, I'm always like, we can figure... Look, I'll fit... The people... That's what. That's why I feel like I am a helper or something like that, because I, can, I love... Not even love, but it's just... I have the ability to bridge the gap between impossible situations, where other people say, well, I can't get along with that person, or we can't do this, or whatever, but I, I know we can do it. Okay. So, I would say, um, if I were counseling you, if I were doing some like spiritual direction with you, I would say, well, Matt, um, I would spend some time paying close attention to sevens, mm-hmm. and just see, and just see, you know, do some research around sevens, mm-hmm. uh, the enthusiasts, um, and possibly a seven with a strong eight wing, but mm-hmm. I don't know that. You know, again, so I'm, I'm saying this, recognizing the presumption in it, right? Uh, but I'd say, mm, so based on what you're saying, and I could very easily be wrong, I would just do some real, I'd hone in on sevens first and take a look at them really carefully. Mm-hmm. Because a seven with an eight wing, right, um, they they uh, uh, they are they achieve their desires by combining forcefulness with a really fun, loving style. Yes, that sounds right. They are, and by the way, I'm, I'm just, for the sake of ease and the sake of, uh, I'm looking at some other sources here, so I'm, I'm quoting a little bit just for the sake of transparency. They, your sevens with an eight-wing are generally pretty success-oriented, but uh, they, they, they seek to accumulate uh, a lot of things or enjoyable things, you know, and resources mm-hmm. and stuff like yep. that. They can be impatient and blunt. Yeah, that's uh, true. That's right. They can be uh, really attracted to positions of power. Yeah, uh, but when they're when they're healthy, loyal, generous, and very protective, and that may be uh, as a friend, and so as a dad, as a husband, very protective. So, what what may be going on for you when you hear that two stuff happening? is you're saying, well, I just want to help, but but part of it maybe do I also want to protect and care for for people. Does that sound if if well yeah I, I don't know of the protective one doesn't doesn't make sense like I'm not a, I don't feel protective or, or abnormally so um, but when I say helper see if the, this makes any sense at all if somebody else is emotionally not doing right or they're too upset or freaked out or whatever just put what put that burden on me I will help I'll fix this okay so. Like, yeah. If my wife is frazzled, I don't. I, whatever, I'll handle anything. If I, if one of my friends or a coworker is like needs, you know, if they're in distress or need something or not thinking clearly or emotional about something, then just I'll take the burden. Like if somebody needs to yell at somebody, you can yell at me. It's fine. Okay. So, whatever. So I'm going to say some things, and then but I want you to ponder them and not uh, react. Okay. So just just you know just just food for ongoing thought beyond this conversation. Sometimes with sevens, my son's a seven, 
um, they immediately jump to help, and they can be very mm-hmm. helpful and very rational and logical mm-hmm. in their help. Like they rely very much in the mental realm. Uh, sevens are the thinking triad, so they are not. Uh, even though they're very outgoing and friendly and often tactile, you know, put their arm around you, you know, physical, all that stuff. They um, actually, they live very much up in their mind. And so their help mm-hmm. is often, is very um, sort of logic-based. And right. Now, but I can tell you this from observing and knowing lots of sevens, many dear friends. Um, oftentimes they're trying to solve and they'll jump in to help another because they just don't want to sit in the crappy feelings the other That's person's right. having. That is right. That is exactly, that is exactly what, yeah. Follow that because now you've got it. That's that says it better than what I was trying to say, but that's what it is. Like right. this person is sad or angry. Uh, let me absorb it so that this goes away. Exactly. So that's what I mean by uh, the seven's underlying motivation or unconscious motivation is to live in the future, have stimulating ideas, mm-hmm. uh, new adventures and escapades, new things to do all the time. Uh, a future, always sort of fantasizing about a future of unlimited possibilities. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay, in service to avoiding psychological and emotional pain in the present moment. Right. Who who wouldn't want to? Who wants to not avoid that? Can I just tell you right now that that is about a seven a thing to say as humanly possible? <laughs> because as a four, I can tell you, I don't think that way. Well, what do you like to be angry and sad and have people around you bummed out or what? I, I mean, what's the point of that? No, but I'm very comfortable with dark feelings. Uh, I'm very empathic. I'm very comfortable. If you were here right now in in my my study and you decided to decompensate and start crying and confessing, you know, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff, like I'm very comfortable with that. I don't need to change it. I don't need to fix you. I can sit with you and uh, be present for you and i don't feel at all like i need to fix you because holy smokes this doesn't feel good to me well see i'm i yes i understand that so yeah i'm different in that way but it's important to me that i'm not afraid of that stuff like i can handle sadder stuff than other people i'm strong enough to handle it but surely we're here surely we should fix it though Right, so that's the way I feel about it. Like, yeah, right. I'm not afraid of it. I will not back down from a confrontation. I can. I even like doing counseling, and I like it when it gets dark. But so we can work on it. Right. So, you so can we can work get on, you know, yeah. right because so I like to I like to fix that if somebody you know. Right. So um, I guess what I would say is now we have a project, which is my specialty. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, actually, so so uh, so one seven I know very very well. One of the things that folks complain about or that he gets criticized for frequently is that he's always jumping in to try and fix people when they're unhappy and sad or angry and he becomes almost manic in his attempts mm-hmm. to fix you know what i'm saying yeah. and, and yeah. people say you know what i really don't need that kind of help you know i just need <laughs> I, I, I actually just need you to listen to me but stop trying to fix me you know right. uh, I just need you to be here I don't need you to you know come up with a solution in fact it's kind of overwhelming uh, what you're doing and yes overwhelming for sure so again I you know I, I guess what I'd say is that based on what you're saying that you you have that seven fragrance going on and uh, again like I said I can't tell you that but that that's what you are you have to look no at you it finally got into some of those things yeah I mean uh, some of that stuff really does make sense, and I, you know, I, I feel my motivation. So when when somebody says, I think I'm pretty in tune with them, really. Uh, so when somebody says something that I, I know that's not my, 
some of these things like I know are not my motivation that I read like confrontational in eight. It's just, I'm not, I have, I don't like confrontation whatsoever. It's just a tool. Sometimes you have to deal with it and use it to get where you're going. And the biggest one is that project thing. Like I was saying, like, uh, I even probably gravitate toward relationships with people that need something because mm-hmm. at least, it, you know, and that, that smells a little funny, I know, but it's like, I, it's, People don't love the, the way I would that would come across, but I could. It's probably true that I see people as projects. But I want to build a house and work on this person and start a podcast and build something and write some songs and I want to do all those things. They're all pro, they they are like projects, but people don't like to think. I mean, that makes people uncomfortable. But that's probably part of what's going on. Well, I, I can just tell you that um, uh, you, you're describing my son. He's a seven. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he is loves projects loves building stuff loves yeah. understanding things you know like how, how stuff the, works yeah. oh totally he's always taken yeah. apart as a little kid he was always taken yeah, apart right. by dang radio you know what i mean yeah, or he that. Was always, yeah that, that was me yeah you know in the garage you know taking apart the lawnmower or trying to figure out how it worked and yeah and that. when i busted him for it this is the thing about sevens remarkably charming he would <laughs> he would suddenly you know do something while you were yelling at him to make you start laughing yeah. And you'd be like, stop that, because I'm trying to discipline you. <laughs> you know? yeah. And then he, he would completely diffuse all the, the weird stuff happening in the moment, because yeah. he'd actually, from an authority figure, he, he's very uncomfortable, and an authority figure is disappointed in him. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I understand. I agree with that. And so that's a very common seven trait. Um, they're like, okay, I've got to turn this, I've got to flip this thing, I've got to reframe it. Um, like, yeah, that's true. Because it's not that I, I don't want to challenge or take down authority. I just don't want to. I just don't want it to be about authority. It's like I just don't even. I'd rather just they are them and I'm me, and we're doing what we're doing. Right. Well, sevens. But struggle. disappointing them is is I don't like that. Yeah, okay, so I, sevens don't like being told what to do. No, I don't like to be told what to do. Sevens because it shuts down options. Yes. Right. And yeah. they don't, for example, sevens cannot work for a highly authoritative boss for very long. Yeah, I, I can't have no, any kind of boss. Yeah. <laughs> I've never had, I never had a boss. I mean, other than just, you know, summer jobs and stuff, but yeah. <laughs> well, I'm the boss. Th- exactly. Well, sevens are like, man, I've got to have a long leash. I got to have a really flexible yeah. job description. Yeah, don't, please right. don't ask me to do the same thing over and over again or I'll blow yeah. my head off. You know what I'm saying? Like they just, they can't do it. And they, But I'm not, I'm also not really attracted to be, I said that I'm the boss, but I'm just the boss of myself. I don't, I don't have a strong, I wind up being authority of other people, but I don't really have a desire to be the boss or tell people no. what to do either. I just, yeah. I, I, sometimes I wind up in the, you know, point guard position but i don't like to tell other people what to do that much either right well that's because sevens by the way that's a that's a hallmark feature of sevens in the work world uh they don't like to be the boss because they're actually quite egalitarian in spirit they mm-hmm. they, they want to they like to they'll in fact if there's a hierarchy they'll flatten it yeah yeah right exactly because they're like yeah hold on a second if, if we do that then we're not all seeing eye to eye and i want to work side by side i don't want to right. i don't want to be above yep. you telling what to do and plus they make crappy that managers right. Um, they're not good managers over the long haul. They don't want people reporting to them. They don't want to fill out forms and you know, no, yeah, yeah, do three sixties sure. and do the same thing every year with the same person who's doing the same thing anyway. No, you know, no, they, no, that's horrible. Yeah, yeah. So that's a very characteristic trait of sevens. What you just described is they don't like being told what to do and they don't like to be the boss though either. 
because right. that, that means, you know, they, you know, they just don't like it. And uh, they also will always, they'll try and bend the rules around the boss. You know what I mean? Like, I'm kind of above, yeah. you know, maybe everyone else has That's to follow right. this rule, but I'm a little above it, frankly. That's right. Yeah, you know? exactly. Okay, so I'm I'm fully I, I don't have any uh disagreement with this seven business. I'm I'm good with it. Okay, so I'm not saying that's what you are. I would just now the now the key is to understand you're not a seven. Okay. Okay, you are a seven at one level. What I'm but what what if you are one, what it's revealing is that's your cover story. That's okay. what you were growing up. That's what got your needs met, mm-hmm. right? That's what got your needs for uh, esteem, for... Uh, Coping mechanism. Totally. And, and they worked. They mm-hmm. worked in the morning of your life. The older you get, the less likely those are going to work. And in fact, they're going to start to work against you in relationships, in your spiritual life, uh, in your relationship with yourself. Um, and so the, the, what the Enneagram does as a spiritual tool is help you to identify when you are in the auto-self of seven. Mm-hmm. And to kind of wake up, and I would say that if you were to read all of the teachings of the mystics and the contemplatives in the Christian tradition of the last, let's say, 600 years, all of them would say uh, essentially the same thing. Wake up. That's what it comes down to. Wake up. Mm-hmm. You're asleep. And so we tend to fall asleep in our personalities, and just we start to identify who we are as human beings with our personality when it's like, you're not your personality. Nobody's their personality. Um, underneath it, there's something far deeper and richer and beautiful, and the, the spiritual journey is about getting back to that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So what are the bad sides? of seven's bad, how? Well, when a seven is in a bad space, and this is actually something, this is why I was, you know, I had a hunch... But, but let me just say this. Sevens, when they're under stress, become they'll start to act and look like they'll still be sevens. The underlying motivation will not change, but they will start to act and look like the perfectionists. They'll go to okay. one. So what you were describing earlier, that you have that side of you that is got a little bit of the perfectionist thing going on, I'd, I'd say, well, if you're a seven, that makes sense because you share a line. If you look at the Enneagram, you share a line with ones. You see that? Mm-hmm. So when you're under stress, if you're a seven, you start to act like an unhealthy one, which is kind of judgmental a little bit, morally superior, um, a little, you know, anal. You'll start to clean your sock drawer. You know what I mean? Like That's weird. Let me see if I can make sense out of that. Um, so I, I'm relatively messy. My car's messy. My underwear drawer and laundry's messy at my house. But when I'm doing, let's say, music or something more professional or something like that, I get very frustrated with the other people, let's say, in my band or re- recording in the studio or something for being for not get, doing it right. Like that, that's something that matters. We're trying to get right, and you got to clean up your station there before we start recording because this, you know, maybe that's when you're. There's some. If I start to get irritated, then I'll feel judgmental. Like there's a right and wrong way to do stuff when there maybe isn't. But if I start to get out of control or things aren't going good or it gets to be scary, then I may lean more into wanting. At least I'll rely more back on the side of trying to at least do everything right or the fact that I know how it's supposed to be or something. Mm-hmm. Well, I've Is that been, I, right? You know, yeah, well, I've been in a lot of recording studios, and uh, they, 
even if you're, you know, very seasoned and you're very comfortable in them, there's there's pressure involved, you know, right. there's stress involved. And so it doesn't surprise me that as a seven under that kind of heat, if you are a seven, um, that, you know, those perfectionist qualities would start to emerge, right? And mm-hmm. um, you would be like, you know, why, why aren't you pulling the weight as much as I am? You mm-hmm. know, like I'm showing up and I'm bringing my A game. Where's yours? You know? Right. And, uh, uh, you know, you might be a little bit. Yeah, that's true. I feel that way. So so that seven going to one under stress. Now, when you're doing really well, you'll start to act like a healthy five. And what that means is you'll start to settle down. You'll be okay with being alone more, uh, having times of solitude. You won't be hmm. like, okay, I got to be with people all the time, you know, which is what sevens tend to do. Like my, I can just tell you, I know a seven man, like he gets like, gets like crazy. He gets irritable and angry if he spends too much time alone. Like, where's the action? I got to get to it. Uh, where, what's yeah. everyone else doing? I got to be there. Right. Um, and part of that is I just don't want to be here by myself when, when, when feelings and thoughts come up that will be afflictive and uncomfortable for me. I just don't want to be in that space. I want to be distracted. You know? Yeah. And so I would say that um, at five, what happens is, is you settle down. You become more okay with, as I mentioned, being by yourself. You become more planful. Um, you uh, do. You don't flit around as much from one thing to the next. You, you kind of get more focus uh, in at five, at the high side of hmm. five. Um, you'll become more interested. You'll, you'll you'll focus in on an area of interest and really dig deep. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. At five, you'll you know. Um, and, and you, you'll be a little bit more, your, your thinking will be more focused and less distractible, if that makes sense. Yes. So, but both of those manifest really exactly in, you know, something like, let's say recording a, a record or something like that. So. I'm into the recording and all that as an enthusiast. I mean, this is fun stuff. We're going to go do stuff, write songs, we're going to go to the studio. If it go, if it's going good, or normally, I'm going to be real intense, like a number five, and I'm going to say that everybody else is going to go work out and come back and go eat dinner and come back. I'm not going to get up from the computer all day because I'm in the zone. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we're getting a lot done, and I'll just be focused. I'll, I'll spend 14 hours in front of the computer while everybody else watches TV shows, records for a few minutes, talks yep. on the phone, goes to work out, and I'm in it. And that's going really good. And when things go bad in that situation, people are angry at me for being a perfectionist or telling them they're not doing something right or trying hard enough and blah, blah, blah. Right. That all makes sense? Yes, sir. That's Those are things that are all true. So I think, you know, we've, we've, we've been, this has been, an, let me say this. Where What is your level of skepticism now as compared to where it was when we started? Less skeptical. (laughs) (laughs) Well, boom! I I feel like I I feel like I had a good. You know, that was good for me. Then you know, if if that if that was helpful, and and again, like I said, now is your if you if you you know uh, choose to to take on the mission. The 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 thing for you next is to do your homework about sevens Mm -hmm. and find out because i'm telling you like we just skittered across the surface of the pond here like a water bug you know we we and it's a deep ocean when you get in it when you start looking at the enneagram and and start to do your own work well i don't know how much work i'll do or not do but i affirm most of that stuff to be true and make sense i still don't I mean, you know, there's a depth of getting into it. Like you said, oh, but that's because the line is drawn from this to that and all that. I'm just like, well, is that a fundamental principle of the universe that those things are connected? Or is that, I mean, I, I can I can handle this as 
a useful tool for introspection like that it has to be in that category for me but i, I don't the, it being a rosetta stone or some fundamental clue of knowledge that's spiritual and we're tapping into it from another realm that that doesn't that's still doesn't make sense to me well what you're saying the work that's been done to develop this and i'm sure these personality traits are related and you know like like you said if it's based on the notion that somebody's good qualities have bad good and bad expressions their strong qualities have good and bad expressions and through a bunch of you know research even anecdotal but a, a lot of folk wisdom that these things have developed and there are useful ways to filter and look at stuff you know i can go along at least that far for now well i think that's far enough I mean, I, yeah, I, okay, good, good, you know, good. I, as I said earlier, um, I'm always the one talking people off the ledge of being what you just described, Yeah, which is that, oh, this is some esoteric, like, right. you know, do-do-do-do-do-do, they get all, you know, as one friend of mine calls it woo-woo, you know, I love that. It's you know, definitely, like get, yeah, I don't, I'm not a woo-woo, so I, right, I, I so, usually resist woo-woo if I can help it. Okay, so what I would say is that, you know, you, you hold it lightly, right. you know, you don't grab it and like clutch it to your chest and say, okay, here's the answer to all the fundamental questions of the universe. No, it does, that's, that's sort of silly, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. And by the way, I feel that way about the Bible. You know what I'm saying? In other words, yes, right. like it's a library, you know what I mean? And, and it, but to think that somehow or another it's a magic book from Harry Potter where like ink starts showing up on it by itself, you know, with words, that's kind of silly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... Well, man, I hope this has been helpful. In fact, I'm yeah. so. You know what's so funny right now is I'm waiting for you to wrap up the podcast. <laughs> I'm waiting, like, man, when's this thing going to be over? When's this guy going to wrap this up? I gotta, I got stuff I got to do. And it's so funny because you're on my podcast right yeah. now, and yet this has been one of the most enjoyable podcasts I've ever done because it's like. I got to be a guest on my own podcast, and that is awesome. That's a well. We like, break the walls down. We're doing something together. I mean, that's what podcasting is. I don't. I think podcasts should be more that way anyway. I mean, it's just yep. a conversation. So it's you don't ha- you don't necessarily host and guest in normal conversation. And if that's what people like about podcasts, it's two people talking. So the less hosted and guested is kind of ideal. But you know, well, all right. So I'll tell you what. If you just did. Like, let's say in the next year or six months, let's say you did a couple hours of just looking at sevens. Would you come back on after you've done, you know, just a little bit of time of, of looking at it and uh, come back? And then let's see if it, if it landed someplace in you. That, in a year? Yeah, you know, or six months or whatever you want. You, know, you just get back to me and say, hey, man, I've done some studying about sevens or whatever. The Enneagram more. I'm not a seven. I'm this. But I'd love to come back on and talk about what I've learned yeah. since then. I'd and be then, glad to do that. Yeah, I mean, that now I have more to talk about at parties and stuff anyway. So now that I got some ammo and some understanding, then, uh, you know, I, it, I, I, it, once you get even this deep into introspection, which I like introspection and self-learning and all those things. So if this is a tool for that, you know, it's hard. It'll be hard to resist that when I realize somebody's mad at me. I say, wait, is that because I'm acting like a one right now? You know, I know that'll pop in my head now that I have the background information about it. So, mm-hmm. So, hey, Matt, tell our folks about your podcast so they know about it. Well, I do a podcast called Break It Down, uh, which is where I do a lot of analysis and logical thinking and talk about interesting topics. Uh, and I do that. That's my. That's just a super general interest type of thing to me. But the big podcast I do is called The Bad Christian Podcast, which I do with a couple of other guys. And on that podcast, which is it's a pretty large show, we just, you know, we've kind of arrived at this term as of this week where we just kind of think of it as a post-Christian community where, and when I say post-Christian, I mean 
the primacy and the power of Christianity in the Western culture seems to be a little bit over the hill, and that, that's okay with us. So we sit in a place where we both hold the faith but uh, have the ability to uh, make fun of it or realize it is what it is and realize what we don't know and, and just accept those things and, and move forward, basically, uh, in that tension, if, if you will. So that, And that's what we do on the Bad Christian Podcast. We joke around, hang out, talk talk about interesting stuff or just tell fart jokes whatever (laughs) (laughs) all right and so you're but you're also a musician yes i've been in a band called emory for about 16 years now and uh still do that so do some other stuff in music music and podcasting i do a few i do work on a couple other podcasts and help other musicians as well so those are just things i understand and like to do with other people podcasting and music cool so where where do people learn more about you and about your music and about your podcasts yeah, but it's the easiest thing to do is go to badchristian.com, and that, that's a good entry point for anything. You got the URL to badchristian.com? Yes, I negotiated it from a guy that was sitting on it, and I did a real good job with that. They wanted like $9,000, and I told him whatever I had to tell him, and I got it for about 1000 bucks. <laughs> oh my gosh, man, that was a score. Yeah, it was good. Now, now you're sitting on a $9,000 URL. <laughs> that's right. No, it's worth more than that now. We've built it up. Oh, man. Matt, thank you so much for being on. It was really a delight. It was so energizing. Good, the, good. You know how it is at the end of the day? I don't know if you guys record multiple podcasts in the same day. Sometimes, yeah. And, you know, I had two really energizing, great ones this morning, and I got to this afternoon after lunch, you know, and I'm like, oh, man, I got to find my, my game here because I'm like, you know, you get that zoned out yeah, thing. Yeah, you're dragging, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you've been working. I mean, it's hard work, you know, and... uh and then, I, so when we got on it, I just knew from when you when you came out the gate, I knew we were going to have a good time, man. <laughs> good, good. So I can't wait to have you on again, Matt. Thank you so much. I appreciate it very much. All right, man. See you Talk later. Talk to you soon, Ian. Okay, thanks, buddy. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. gosh. That guy was awesome. That was unreal. Man, uh, like I don't think I could have guessed that interview was going to go in that direction. And that guy ended up interviewing me. <laughs> oh, and he was great too. Um, so Ian, what are some of your thoughts regarding this podcast to wrap it up and some direction and thoughts for people out there that are trying to find their type? So like I said at the beginning of the show, like I I seriously can't type another person. Only you can determine your type. If anyone ever says to you, oh, you're a six or a seven or anything like like that, just tell them to shut up because really, it's just inappropriate. People need to let other people determine their type. That's why I never said in that show, oh, you're a seven. No, you sure smelled like one. And I... You know, I think he, it's it's likely or it's in the realm of possibility, but he has to own it for himself. Right. So, for those of you out there who are trying to figure out what your type is, let me, you know, just use sevens as uh, an example for you. So, you suspect you're a seven and you want to confirm that, you know, that hunch. It's sometimes helpful to read up on wings. So, if you're... For example, you know, if you're a seven, you check out wings, right? So if you're a seven with a six wing, you tend to be more settled than other sevens. Uh, Once you commit to a relationship, you have a good chance of staying connected and maybe working out challenges in it. You're more dutiful and loyal to family and friends. You're funny, entertaining, and pretty accepting of others. Now, 
If you're a seven with an eight wing, it's gonna be like it's gonna be a different kind of influence. That eight wing is gonna have a different influence on your type seven. So sevens with an eight are more competitive, right? They're they're bold, they're aggressive, they can be persuasive, assertive, and I, I can tell you from experience they can usually get their way. But they can also be playful, and having a good time is more important than gaining power for them. Uh, they're, they're pretty easily bored, and they often start things they don't finish. So, all to say, doing your research or your work, you know, looking at wings will help you truly see yourself or rule yourself out as a seven. And this is true for every single number. So if you were a six, you could look at fives and sevens. Or if you're a nine, you could look at eights and ones, you know, and look at the wings on either side and say, oh yeah, that helps me get clarity. I am a nine or I am a, a six, right? So for all of you, just check out wings to see if it helps you get some insight. And I would also tell you, I encourage folks when they're trying to figure out type and they, they think they may be a four, I tell them, listen, I want you to go to Beatrice Chestnut's book, The Enneagram, uh, where she goes through uh, describing different subtypes, okay? And uh, if you do that, then uh, it'll also help you gain clarity and maybe help you nail down that number. Well, that's all I have for today. I want to remind our listeners again that today's show is sponsored by... Drumroll, Anthony. Talkspace. That's right. Talkspace, the online therapy company. Choose from over 1,500 licensed therapists. You can get matched with your perfect therapist who can put you on the path to a healthier life and to becoming your best and truest self. For a special offer for our listeners, visit Talkspace.com forward slash typology. That's Talkspace, T-A-L-K-S-P-A-C-E dot com forward slash typology t-y-p-o-l-o-g-y if you enjoyed our show today or you have suggestions for future episodes and guests we'd love to hear from you go to our website typologypodcast.com and submit a question or comment and please if you can go to itunes and leave a review for our show because it helps other folks find it and now until next week remember the words of the great author oscar wilde be yourself Everybody else is already taken. Later. Later.